The Griffin now thought that he ought to visit the sick and the poor, and he began to go about the town for this purpose. The effect upon the sick was miraculous. All except those who were very ill indeed jumped from their beds when they heard he was coming, and declared themselves quite well. To those who could not get up he gave herbs and roots which none of them had ever before thought of as medicines, but which the Griffin had seen used in various parts of the world, and most of them recovered. But for all that they afterwards said that no matter what happened to them, they hoped that they should never again have such a doctor coming to their bedsides, feeling their pulses, and looking at their tongues. As for the poor, they seemed to have utterly disappeared. All those who had depended upon charity for their daily bread were now at work in some way or other, many of them offering to do odd jobs for their neighbors just for the sake of their meals a thing which before had been seldom heard of in the town. The Griffin could find no one who needed his assistance. The summer had now passed, and the autumnal equinox was rapidly approaching. The citizens were in a state of great alarm and anxiety. The Griffin showed no signs of going away, but seemed to have settled himself permanently among them. In a short time the day for his semi-annual meal would arrive, and then what would happen? The monster would certainly be very hungry, and would devour all their children. Now they greatly regretted and lamented that they had sent away the minor cannon. He was the only one on whom they could have depended in this trouble, for he could talk freely with the griffin, and so find out what could be done. But it would not do to be inactive. Some step must be taken immediately. A meeting of the citizens was called, and two old men were appointed to go and talk to the griffin. They were instructed to offer to prepare a splendid dinner for him on Equinox Day, one which would entirely satisfy his hunger. They would offer him the fattest mutton, the most tender beef, fish, and game of various sorts, and anything of the kind that he might fancy. If none of these suited, they were to mention that there was an orphan asylum in the next town. Anything would be better, said the citizens, than to have our dear children devoured. The old men went to the griffin, but their propositions were not received with favor. "'From what I have seen of the people of this town,' said the monster, "'I do not think I could relish anything which was prepared by them. They appear to be all cowards, and therefore mean and selfish. As for eating one of them, old or young, I could not think of it for a moment. In fact, there was only one creature in the whole place for whom I could have had any appetite, and that was the minor cannon who has gone away. He was brave and good and honest, and I think I should have relished him." "'Ah,' said one of the old men very politely, "'in that case I wish we had not sent him to the dreadful wilds.' "'What?' cried the Griffin. "'What do you mean? Explain instantly what you are talking about.' The old man, terribly frightened at what he had said, was obliged to tell how the minor cannon had been sent away by the people in the hope that the griffin might be induced to follow him. When the monster heard this he became furiously angry. He dashed away from the old men, and spreading his wings flew backwards and forwards over the town. He was so much excited that his tail became red-hot and glowed like a meteor against the evening sky. When at last he settled down in the little field where he usually rested and thrust his tail into the brook, the steam arose like a cloud, and the water of the stream ran hot through the town. The citizens were greatly frightened, and bitterly blamed the old man for telling about the minor cannon. It is plain, they said, that the griffin intended at last to go and look for him, and we should have been saved. 
Now who can tell what misery you have brought upon us?" The Griffin did not remain long in the little field. As soon as his tail was cool he flew to the town hall and rang the bell. The citizens knew that they were expected to come there, and although they were afraid to go they were still more afraid to stay away, and they crowded into the hall. The Griffin was on the platform at one end, flapping his wings and walking up and down, and the end of his tail was still so warm that it slightly scorched the boards as he dragged it after him. When everybody who was able to come was there, the Griffin stood still and addressed the meeting. "'I have had a contemptible opinion of you,' he said. "'Ever since I discovered what cowards you are, but I had no idea that you were so ungrateful, selfish, and cruel as I now find you to be.' Here was your minor canon, who labored day and night for your good, and thought of nothing else but how he might benefit you and make you happy. And as soon as you imagine yourselves threatened with a danger, for, well, I know you are dreadfully afraid of me, you send him off, caring not whether he returns or perishes, hoping thereby to save yourselves. 